This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. The past two weeks, we've been talking about a series called I Am. Uh, We wanted to do a series called I Am where we specifically talk about Jesus, who Jesus is, but... Jesus in his own words. This is, this is pretty interesting because we have a lot of people who try to define Jesus. We have a lot of uh, um, entertainment figures that try to define Jesus. Uh, we have a lot of people right now specifically coming out in favor of God at least, right? Chance the Rapper is out there. I don't know why I said it like that. Chance the Rapper. Um, Selena Gomez out there. Justin Bieber is holding it down, my man. Like, if y'all ain't Bieb fans, y'all need to quit hating because he is chosen and anointed. But uh, Justin Bieber is holding it down. But it gets dangerous because if we're not careful, like, if we get our idea of who Jesus is from the Kardashians, if you get anything from the Kardashians, if you have the game on your phone right now, there's a Kardashian game. If there is, delete it, okay, before anybody sees it. But if you get anything from that, it gets dangerous because it kind of becomes jumbled. Then your idea of who Jesus is could just be whatever somebody else says he is, and you're like, yeah, sounds good to me. So we need to make sure that we're, we have a right depiction of who Jesus is, right? So we thought it'd be cool to come at it from the angle of who does Jesus say that he is, right? So past two weeks, we talked about how Jesus is the resurrection and the life, right? I really like what Sam said uh, during that where he said, uh, things don't stay dead when they encounter Jesus. Things don't stay dead when they encounter Jesus. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about how Jesus is the true vine and how uh, if you're connected to Jesus, you have true life. But if you're disconnected from Jesus, ultimately, you'll be able to tell no matter how much you fake it because things are going to start going in your life. And there's going to be some things that don't survive long when they're detached from the true vine, right? So today, I was thinking about, also caution, um, it's the day of Pentecost, so I'm extra excited. So... I might get loud. So uh, today I was thinking about um, what I wanted to talk about as far as, like, who does Jesus say that he is? Because Jesus says he's a lot of different things. And if you guys remember, if you guys are real church kids, apples, apples, doesn't count. If you're real church kids, then you guys had that poster that was, like, it was supposed to look old. And, like, you already know what I'm talking about. She's laughing because she already knows. It's supposed, to look, <laughs> it's supposed to look old, like it's burnt on the corners and stuff, but it's printed on really nice, shiny, like, poster paper. And it says, I am. And then underneath in parentheses, it says, the names of Jesus. And then it literally lists, like, every single biblical name of Jesus and what verse you could find it in. Alpha, Omega, Bread of Life, you know, all, the, all those different. It runs all the way down, even the really scary ones, right? And um, <laughs> those are the ones that, like, when you were in, like, high school, you tried to scare your friends with. You're like, he's coming, and so, um, maybe that's just me. So, <laughs> you want to come to youth group? Like, you flip it real quick. You want to come to youth group? Nah, bro, I'm good. All right, fine. Go to that party, man. Jesus coming back. Flames, fire in his eyes, sword coming out of his mouth. Don't get cut. So, um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so, I was thinking about it, and it reminded me of a childhood story, okay? So, take a journey with me, if you will, back to when I was, like, no more than 10 years old. This was in the beautiful suburb of Colorado Springs, Colorado, okay? And um, uh, it's not that kind of hood at all. It's really nice. And so, uh, but those are my people still. And so we, um, uh, I spent the night at my godbrother's house, 
okay? And uh, uh, he lived like two houses down from me, so it wasn't anything like super, you know, out there. I didn't have to have too much courage for it. But I spent the night there a number of times before. But every time before, this particular time was different because we always slept like in his bedroom. He had a really dope bunk bed. It was one of the ones that like on the bottom, it looked like a car, you know what I'm talking about? And they have like a, a mattress in it. And so you can like play like you're driving a car until you fall asleep, but don't fall asleep behind a real wheel. It's not the same. So, um, so uh, he had a sweet bunk bed, so we slept in there most times because that's where we wanted to chill. We would, we would totally just, you know, kill each other in Pokemon, and then we'd fall asleep. We'd have a bunch of peanut butter crackers and fall asleep. It was like a crazy party. And this one time we were like, man, let's do something different. We're going to sleep in the living room. We're going to sleep in the living room. No rules, no bunk bed, no borders. We could get up and use that bathroom. We could get up and sneak into the kitchen if we want. We're going to get crazy, right? So as we, you know, as 10-year-olds get crazy, uh, the movie came on. Our fatigue hit us. We fell asleep, okay? So I pass out. I'm in the middle of the living room. They're bumping the AC unit, one of the window units, and it's blowing, like, right on my face. And so I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm tossing and turning, and I'm trying to get comfortable, and I'm tangled up, tangled up in my blanket. And I sit up. Finally, I had to hit the reset button. So I sit up to pull my blanket out and, like, do, like, the waiter throw, you know, like the tablecloth. And, I, you know, you get it perfect because you've done it that many times. And so I'm laying down, throw my blanket out, and I go to pull it over myself and get comfortable again. And as I'm laying back down, I turn it out of the corner of my eye, we're in the living room, and this way is like the kitchen, dining room area. And out of the corner of my eye, kid you not, I see a grown man staring at me. Like, I was laying back, oh, oh and I just froze like this. And, like, I, I got a ripped six-pack from it because I froze in a half-sit-up position. And I, and I was just staring at the dude, and the dude had a long coat on. He had a baseball cap on, and he was just peeking around like a corner like this. And so we locked eyes, and I was terrified. I was frozen solid, as uh, the street peeps would say, I was shooketh, okay? And so um, didn't move. I was holding still. I was trying to make sure maybe we didn't, he wasn't really looking at me. It's kind of weird. So in my mind, I start playing out the scenario, okay? He's probably a burglar. He's probably breaking in, trying to steal something. I probably caught him on his way out of the room. I need to just play it cool, not panic, maybe let him go. He's not going to kill me. I don't know, right? And so I'm thinking, not going to wake anybody up. I had my brother and my friend next to me. Didn't wake him up. I just froze. And so I don't remember how long I was staring at him, but you know how it is in a dark room where you're staring at something and it just, became, it just starts getting darker and darker? Well, finally, I fell asleep because it was too dark for me to look at my man. I would be terrible security guard because I was staring at him. I was just like, okay. And so I fell asleep. I'm woken up, I don't know how many minutes later, but I'm woken up by a loud, shrill voice. And I kid you not, this is what it was saying. Boom, straight out of a cold sleep. It said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And I was like, oh, and I, I don't know what it is when you're a kid, you think your blanket is like impenetrable. So I threw my blanket over my head, and I was like, ah, la, 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 la. And in my mind, I was really about to die. Like, I was about to die that night. So when the adrenaline hit me so hard, it t you know how it is, man. You get tuckered out. I was a little guy. I, wasn't, I, w I was a little guy like this. I wasn't a little guy like this. I was already on it. And so, um, but, but, but I passed out. Like, again, boom, fell asleep. 
Woke up in the morning to realize, number one, God is good. I was alive. <laughs> Secondly, woke up to realize that there was nothing broken. There was nothing taken. So I was trying to figure out what happened. So I ran to my friend's mom who was cooking us breakfast. And I ran over to her and I was like, listen, there was a dude in here last night. He was standing behind that wall staring at me. He told me he was going to kill me. I don't know where he went. Are you missing anything? Like, I guarantee he stole something. And she starts asking me. She's like, okay, which wall was it again? This, okay, come here, come here, look, this wall was the one, and I was like, yeah, and she shows me how there's this shelf sticking out, I don't know why people do this crap, man, they do it purposely to scare kids, but there's a shelf that's literally cut in the shape of somebody's face, like eyebrow bumps, nose bump, lip bumps, chin curve, and there was, an, there was even a hole where the eye should go, and as the angle I'm looking at it in, I could see the light from a nightlight in the kitchen shining through that made it look like his eyeball, like looking at me. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, and there was a hat on top of this shelf. And so I'm like, whoa. I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. You can explain that. You can try to say it was that. I'm not, now at this point, I'm second guessing my story. I'm like, I'm not even really sure it was actually that wall. It may have been that wall where there's nothing on the wall. I don't know. And I was like, so how do you explain this? Dude said like three times, I'm going to kill you, like mad loud. She was like, was it like, do you remember like how long after the movie, like was the movie still on when you woke up? And she's trying to figure out the timeline of this and obviously trying to prove me wrong, which I wasn't appreciating. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, lady. I know what I heard, though. And she's like, come here. So she took me around the corner to a wall that I couldn't see in the dark. And she points out that she has a faulty cuckoo clock. And it wasn't saying, I'm going to kill you. It was saying, cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> cock-a-doodle-doo. In my nine, ten-year-old brain, I heard, I'm going to kill you. And they were just trying to add insult to injury by saying it high-pitched. I'm going to kill you. And I was, I was shook. So in the daylight, it, <laughs> it's a true story. And so in the daylight, uh, it showed me how when I approached her in the daytime, she took me through the same scenario. Check me out. Took me through the same scenario. We were in the exact same room. But how in the daytime, things weren't what they seemed, right? The only difference there was light. And so nowadays, we might not be afraid of things that go bump in the night anymore. You might not be. I told you guys some of this when I was preaching before. When we first moved here, the crazy clown fad was going on where people were wearing clown masks. Y'all remember this? People were wearing clown masks and hopping out on people and just chasing them through, like, public areas. Like, you're trying to die. And so, uh, like, I seen a video of a dude riding his bike, just chilling. Like, going, uh, this is how you ride a bike. He's, ri he's, riding, a bi he's riding a bike. He's pedaling faster now. And he's, he's riding his bike through downtown, and a, and a clown that had a mask on hopped out and was just like, yeah, <laughs> and just started chasing him. And the dude, I don't know, this is the thing, it might have been set up, I don't know, because how are you knowing to film right there? I don't know. Anyway, so he turns around, and there's a, a legit clown chasing him, and he's like, and just like booking it. And so... When we first moved here, anytime I'd go into the kitchen of my house, we didn't have a curtain on the back window. It was pitch black out there. I would literally catch my reflection in the, in the window when I opened the fridge because I was eating again. And I'd open the fridge and see my reflection in the window, and I'd be like, oh, God. And, I, and, I'd open the, and then I'd let my dog out, and I'd open the door, and I'd push my dog out before me. 
and let him like try to bark and see if anything was there. <laughs> and, then I, and then I'd walk out. And a cu- I'm not even lying to you. A couple times, Carmen was like, who are you talking to? Because I'd walk out there and I'd be like, hey, 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 I see you. <laughs> Nobody there. I see you. Because I was afraid of what I couldn't see in the dark, right? Makes sense, right? And I'm, I'm not going to ask for any stories, but I'm sure if you guys were honest, y'all might have some stories like that too, right? Carmen, if you guys want to get Carmen good, just hide somewhere dark and pop out on her. She, I mean, whole, bo- whole body jump, like, ugh, talk about Pentecost. And so she, um, she was like, <laughs> so she, uh, so anyway, I'm not going to go into a story about Carmen. So anyway. The only difference here that brings clarity to that is light. And no matter how old you get or how old I get, we're still prone to get lost in darkness. We're still prone to get lost in darkness. It may not be actual, literal darkness, absence of light in a room or in an area, or it might not be clowns hopping out behind trash cans and chasing you when you're riding your bike, right? But we're still prone to experience times of darkness. could be a time of doubt. Could be a time of struggle, financial need, uh, marital problems, right? Problems when your kids just won't act right. Somebody say amen, right? It could be a certain time, a certain thing that contributes to a mental or spiritual or uh, emotional darkness that you're going through. So today, what I wanted to touch on when we talked about I am is Jesus says this. He says, go and throw it up there for me. If you guys have your Bibles, you want to highlight it. It was cool last week when Sam threw out the verse. Uh, I was on the Bible app. And like 15 people highlighted the same verse at the same time. And so they all came out to each other after church and like, did you highlight the verse too? <laughs> Bro, you saw my picture. You know I highlighted it. Okay. So John 8, 12, it says this. Go ahead and highlight it if you want. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm going to say it one more time for you as my... Mom would say, I'm going to say it one more again. And she's uh, Caucasian, so she's got flavor. So (laughs) John 8, 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again, again, remember that, to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, another key word, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yeah. Okay. So Jesus is doing a couple things in that verse. You can leave that verse up. Jesus is doing a couple things in that verse. If you guys were to go back and read through John 8, the beginning parts, John 8, 1 through 11, is actually the story that a lot of us know. It's the story of the woman that's caught in adultery, right? You guys have heard this. So Jesus goes in to to the area. There's a bunch of uh, uh, people in the Jewish culture partying around, hanging. They're not partying. They're trying to be like snobs and, you know, know it all. And so Jesus up, sits down, and he starts teaching, and in the middle of this, the Pharisees are like, we're going to stump him. We're going to try to catch him in something hypocritical. We're going to mess my dude up. So they find the woman caught in adultery. They bring her into the midst, right, in, in the midst of them, and they go, Jesus, listen, she, she has been, she's been kind of getting around, man, and according to our customs, if you really are a rabbi teacher, then you know this. By law, we are allowed to stone her. Right? What, what do you say? Because that's what, that's what we know. And if you really are, uh, you know, the teacher, then you should know this too. What, what do you say about this? And Jesus says, I love this story. This isn't what, this, what the message is about. But because it says that Jesus is kneeling down, drawing in the sand. They're talking to the top of his head. 
Yo, Jesus. Yo, what you got to say, man? And it says he stands up and he goes, I picture him going, y'all again, come on. He goes, all right, listen, anybody here that's perfect, anybody here without sin, you have my permission. Throw your stones at her, kill her. In other words, if you are not perfect, put your junk down, go home, right? And it ends up that everybody puts their rocks down and goes home. And then Jesus says to her, and, uh, he, go, he bends down, he's drawing again. Then he looks up and he goes, oh, where everybody go? And he looks at the lady and he goes, nobody here condemned you? You're still here? And she goes, no, I'm good. And he goes, if they haven't condemned you, neither do, I, neither do I condemn you. Meaning, I forgive you, right? Like, there's no condemnation for you. That's what he's telling. And people around are getting like, oh my gosh, their head is exploding because here's the thing in this culture, nobody offers forgiveness except the Messiah. And in their eyes, they were still waiting for the Messiah. This dude was not it. So what Jesus says, uh, don't worry, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. What he's saying is I have the power to forgive you. And they're going, no, 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 no. This dude's tripping. So when we get to uh, uh, verse 12, when it says, again, Jesus spoke to the people, could have been the same people, could have been different people. We don't know how much time passed. A lot of people think it's in the same day. So these people came back up to Jesus. These, these same types of people are coming back around, and it says, Jesus spoke to them again. They're stubborn. They're not getting it. They're not picking up what he's putting down. They're not smelling what he's stepping in. They don't get it. No comprende. Right? And so he, he, he says to him again, he says, listen, in case y'all don't get what I'm trying to say here, I'm going to make it really clear to you. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows, not you, not you, not you, not you, me, will never walk in darkness. Never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is purposely referring back to an Old Testament prophecy, an Old Testament looking forward to the Messiah where it says a light has shined. A light will come. That light is the true Messiah. When Jesus says, yo, I'm the light, translation to the Jewish people, y'all know the Old Testament so well, you know the Messiah is the light. I'm that dude. I'm the light. Right? Then he goes on, that's, that's not even the good part. He says, I'm the light. Whoever follows me will never. That's an absolute word. We call that an absolute statement. He didn't say, most of the time you won't walk in darkness. I'm going to try to shine my light on you. He says, never walk in darkness. You will never walk in darkness if you just follow me. This is who Jesus says he is to them right after they're going, man, I don't know. Like, is he really saying he's the Messiah? What's he really saying he can do? I don't really know. Jesus goes, listen, I'm going to lay it out flat for you. I'm the Messiah. If you have darkness of any kind, I'm the light. You don't have to look any further. He's also referring to where in, in their scriptures they knew that they were being warned about a bunch of other kinds of lights, dimmer lights. This still holds true for us. Jesus said, you don't need a little flicker light. You don't need a little match light. You don't need a little flashlight. 
you have the light, right? There's these little lights he's, he's speaking against or, or referring to is lights that have a, a kind of godliness or, or something that could lead you into thinking it's a godly way, but ultimately it doesn't pay off, it doesn't fulfill, right? Jesus is saying, I'm not that. You think I'm one of the littler lights. I am the light. I'm that guy. So what does that mean for you and for me? Because we're not Pharisees, I hope, Right? We're not those dudes. So for us, what does that mean for you and for me? It means this. Flat out. I picture Jesus saying it to me. I am the light of the world. Do you have something that's causing darkness in your life? We talked about it before, right? We talked about it just now, the littler lights. A lot of us don't realize what we're doing, but throughout our day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month existence, we put our hope and our trust in littler lights, right? This could be money. This could be job security. This could be a title. This could be a relationship. This could be a friendship. This could be uh, uh, something a leader says. This could be a number of different things that bring that same kind of security that God ultimately wants to fulfill for you. And a lot of us day to day, week to week, month to month, put our hope in a littler light that looks like the big light because it gives us some kind of affirmation of following the light. But really, it's just a light. And so we get caught up in following that. And then when it all doesn't pan out for us, we're left going, man, where was God at? Man, what's going on? I was, I, I'm, I'm big going to church. I mean, it, you know, it was the day of Pentecost. I said amen this week. I never said it before. I got to get extra points for that or something. God's not really what, I had somebody tell me this like, like a week and a half ago. I just feel like God's not really what, and don't worry, they don't go here because I wouldn't be doing it anyway. But I just feel like I do all the right stuff. I mean, I've been trying to read my Bible. I got the Bible app. And you know that little thing on there that has like the little green dot? It says streaks. My streak's up to four. It means I read my Bible four days in a row. I've been going to church. I've been trying not to cuss. Cinco de Mayo was a little while. But most part, I've been on track. But God is still letting this stuff happen to me. Some people even say God is still making this stuff happen to me because when they put their trust in a littler light that God never, never wanted you to put your trust in, they feel like God did them wrong when it doesn't pan out, like it's some kind of agreement. All right, God, I'm doing this. I'm going to church. I'm reading the Bible. I'm doing what I da But then when God doesn't reciprocate some kind of blessing or some type of material thing that we can look at and touch and see God blessing us, then people go, man, God ain't really doing what he said he was going to do for me. Jesus says, no, if you really want that kind of thing, there's a plethora of them. If you really want a small kind of light, you can find them anywhere. Or you can stop your search because I am the true light. So what is the question for you? Do you have doubt? I know a lot of us uh, wrestle with doubt. My whole time in ministry, my whole faith walk leading up to ministry, I never wrestled with doubt the way that I have ever since I've been in ministry. Life hits you hard. Things come. Things go. You think you know something super solid about your faith, and then all of a sudden the rug is sweeped out from under you, and you got to relearn God in a new way. What is bringing darkness into your life? Self-examine. Ask a hard question to yourself. Is it doubt? 
do you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Because he says he's good all the time. So if you believe even a little bit that there's, there's some kind of shade or, or tainting to his goodness, then there's doubt there. Do you, are you going through an emotional instability where you have things you're struggling with, but you can't go to your spouse because your spouse doesn't really want to talk about it, but you don't want to talk about it at church because you just come in and eat your donut and smile and then eat another donut Is it a kid you're struggling with? Is it scheduling you're struggling with? Is it finances you're struggling with? Whatever it is, whatever it is, those things bring darkness to us. Darkness in a way where we start to do this through life. We start to just grope and and feel for something, anything that feels like a way out, a, a handle on a door, something to take us from that situation to the next one. Really, check this out, big moment. Jesus says there's a light switch right there on the wall, and all you got to do to turn that light switch on is follow me. Does that mean that you're going to leave that room? Does that mean you're going to leave that situation? No, but here's the thing. I was in the same room when I woke up from my terrifying encounter with the burglar, right? But in the daylight, I could see how things really weren't what they seemed. You might not be brought out of your situation. A lot of us hope for that too. God, why isn't God taking me out of this, man? Why isn't God fixing this for me? Here's the thing. God never says he's going to make it easy for you. Look at me. God never says he's going to make it easy for you. But when you turn that light on, what God says he's going to do is that his presence is going to fill it. And in a situation where there was darkness and doubt and despair and depression and and confusion, he's going to bring purpose He's going to bring clarity. He's going to bring passion. He's going to bring strength. He's going to sustain you through it so that way you can go through and, and, and endure what you're going through so you can be brought out of that. That's what Jesus says here. I'm the light. You don't have to walk in darkness. It's still a walk. You're still going to get tired, but you don't have to do that same walk in darkness. If you just keep your eyes on me, if you just tune that radio dial on your heart to my frequency, hashtag iHeartRadio, if you just tune that to me and we're on the same wavelength here, you still might have to endure some stuff, man. But you're going to have me on the other end calling you into me, leading you through it, lighting your steps. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus does something cool with this, actually. Because we, I don't know if you're like me, but I tend a lot of times, especially lately, I haven't gone, and some of y'all may be able to, to, to tell, but I never went to a big seminary. I never went to a big Bible college. I did, like, Bible classes online. That's cool. I did Bible classes online. I got training through the denomination, and then I just served because I had a heart for it. I actually went to culinary school, Right? And so I tend to think a lot of times, like when I get around other pastors, we go to these big events, I tend to feel like the, like the alley cat or like the, you know, the street dog that's looking for a home because everybody else is, you know, they walk in, wearing, no, no, no shots to you if you wear dry fit polos, but that's what they wear. And you're in youth ministry, you're not golfing, so it's weird. And so they're, they're all wearing their dry fit polos all the way buttoned up like this. And then I walk up like this. Oh, Where'd you go to school, brother? 
First of all, don't call me brother. Call me bro. <laughs> I feel more comfortable with this. Oh, I went, uh, you know, I got my master's in divinity. I got my MDiv. You're still stupid. <laughs> okay, 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 I'm kidding. I'm going to say lame. You're still lame. Okay, so. And I, I tend to feel inadequate. I tend to feel like, man, how does God use me to, to talk to people when I'm not the highest up on that totem pole? Why does, why does God, like, why does God give me opportunities to speak in front of people or speak into people's lives? Why does God bring people to me uh, that, that, like, encourage, brother, there's something. <laughs> They're all Hulk Hogan for some reason. Brother. And, <laughs> they, they, and God, man, God is doing something with you. God is doing, and, and every time I hear this, it's a blessing, but in my mind, I automatically get insecure because I feel like, man, how is God supposed to use me when I don't have that much knowledge in the Rolodex. I don't have that much training to go through. I feel insecure, but the thing about God is in our insecurities, that's actually what he uses to fuel his kingdom because Jesus does this. When he brings light to your situation, it's kind of like, and have you guys ever seen Indiana Jones? Or uh, for my, new, my newer ones, okay, uh, like Journey to the Center of the Earth. Not Brennan Fraser, the one with the rock, okay? <laughs> he said, yeah, I have. That was shame. Mm-hmm. Right? Or Jumanji. Yeah, that was a good, the new Jumanji, right? The old one was dope, but the new one, I mean, it has the rock, right? So there's always a scene where they have to find a torch. You guys ever notice this about adventure movies? Or The Mummy, right? The Mummy is one of my favorites. And there's always a scene where they have to find a torch. And whenever somebody finds the big torch, they're like fumbling around and they're like, hmm, wow, hmm, hidden treasure, uh, ooh, torch, and it's already lit. Nobody's been in this cave for thousands of years, but this fire is still burning. And then out of nowhere, everybody else, everybody else manages to find a stick that looks awfully close to an unlit torch. Whoa, check out this big stick with a thing on the back of it. And they all walk out, and then there's like a bucket of lighter fluid somehow. And then here's, here's what I'm getting at, though. I mean, next time you see one of these movies, think about, think about that. But what happens is whoever has the big torch then does what? Walks over to all the other torches and... That's the sound. If it's a big, if it's a big fire... Lights all the other torches. That, check me out, that's what God does through your circumstances that he brings light to. You had one of those little torches, right? You had a torch among other torches. Somebody else had depression. Somebody else had fear. Somebody else had confusion. Somebody else had struggle, had whatever it was. And Jesus came along and he said, I'm bringing light to this. And now you have a torch and now everybody else has a torch. But then Jesus says this in Matthew 5. You want to throw that out? Matthew 5, 14, he says this. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. I'm going to read it from here because there's a little bit more. He says, you are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives, check this out, gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says this, 
you still have a torch. If you have an inkling of faith left that I can do something with, I can ignite that torch. And then here's what I want you to do. He said, I'm the, check this out. He's sharing his title with you, with me. He said, I'm the light of the world. Me. Then he lights our torch, carries us, brings light to, to, to our situation, gives us a testimony, gives us a praise report, right? And then he says this, now check me out. You are the light of the world. See what I did right there? It was me, now it's you. Jesus gives us his light. Now we're light bearers, and we just have to kindle that flame that he passed on to us. And then when we take that, we walk over to everybody else who might have an inkling of faith left that's struggling with something else that might need a little bit of light in their life, and you go to them and you say this, yo, I was in that same situation. I went through the same struggle. I went through something just like you. You lost a parent, I lost a parent. You lost a loved one, I lost a loved one. You have something that's going on with your kids at school, my kids will not chill out. But check it out. The only thing that's different about you and me is that you're still in the dark room. I'm in the same room you're in, but I got light in my room. And at least if I can see a purpose for the pain, at least if I can see a reason for the struggle, it helps me to feel encouraged and strengthened to endure the rest of the struggle until God takes me from it. But until he does, I got clarity. Until he does, I have understanding. Until he does, I have peace. So Jesus says that to you. So for you, when Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Think about it like this. I am the light of your world. I'm not hanging over everybody loving my children just because they're the human race. I don't just love the human race. I love every single one of you individually, one of a kind, intimately. I know your struggle. I know your problem. I know what you need help with. And you are walking in darkness until you follow me in it. There's a light switch on the wall. The light, all the light you need, all the clarity you need, all the understanding you need, all the gas, all the passion, all the motivation, all the drive that you need is right there. And all you have to do to hit that switch is keep your eyes on me. So today for you, what, what is it, man? What is it? If I'm honest, I got stuff too. We don't all just live in this constant state of light. Makes me think of DC Talk. I want to be in the light. Or share, as you are in the light. Hit it. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. We're done. We're done. Be my hope. <laughs> you failed me. Go on Spotify. See this church is out. Listen to DC Talk in the light. You'll get it. We don't all just live in a constant state of lightness where darkness can never touch us. You live in the world, man. You live in the world, man. Dude. You live here. We live here. But when Jesus fills your situation with light, 
And then he lights that torch and he tells you to carry it on to other people. Go and let your light shine. You gotta have your torch lit first, man. And if you don't, why? If you need to know how, the light switch. Jesus says, follow me. I'll give you light. You will never walk in darkness. If you have that kind of light, you can bring it to anybody, anywhere, and help change their circumstance. And then the Bible says this, then they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. That's how we build the kingdom. Let Jesus bring light to you so you share that light. They see Jesus in you. We got a party. Amen? Let me pray for you. Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.